Hello and welcome to the Crack and Bander podcast with me, Reese, and my co-host, Luke. Luke, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, how are you today? I am also very good, uh, well-rested. Um, the more vigilant listeners may have noticed that we, we took a little break last week. Uh, we weren't recording. Uh, of course, it was Father's Day weekend last week, so I think that was that was probably why, just celebrating too hard. Uh, is that right, Luke? And a wonderful yeah. Father's Day weekend, yeah. Uh, fly yeah. out, for sure. Found out I was a father last weekend. A father of this podcast. True, a founding father of this podcast. <laughs> correct, correct. Yeah, so we were off celebrating that. Uh, the only way we know how by not recording. <laughs> that's that's how you know that's how you know when a, a weekend is gonna be eventful is when we have to cancel recording. Um well actually so yes. I view myself I should say I view myself less as a father of this podcast and more as the cool uncle that'll give the podcast a bit of beer at a party. Nice, nice. I mean that's I think that's how you view yourself, but in reality you're more of a, a creepy uncle who you are a bit annoyed shows up at every event. <laughs> I think I think you're it's more that you're more that relative. I don't think either of us are the dad. I think we're both weird, distant relatives of this podcast. There is I no father. Zany no. to creepy. <laughs> no, no one is a no one is steering this ship. I don't think. I think it is very much there is no father figure <laughs> present on this podcast. It's just just two morons. Uh, but yeah. So hopefully that gave everyone a chance to catch up listen to the backlog of episodes maybe if we've been uh, too relentless with you know doing every week up until now maybe the break was well deserved uh, for some people but we're back today of course and we're going to start with a little bit of news not much news this week look actually across the last two weeks given how we didn't record last week either i'm sure some stuff happened but uh in the movie world it's been a little bit slow i mean i guess biggest thing is that cinemas are starting to open here at least We've got some cinemas opening back up, so people have been back uh, to the movies again. I've not been yet. Have you been to the cinema yet to see anything? Yeah, actually, uh, I went with a friend on Friday and saw Nobody, which I'll mention later because I didn't enjoy that. It was it was good to be back in the cinema. Uh, they they were. I tell you what, because <laughs> main thing I noticed about uh, the cinema. Basically, everyone would get scanned it in because you had to pre-order your ticket and you had that on your phone. They wanted to do that so people wouldn't, not everyone would have to go up to the desk. Yeah. But thing is, basically everyone who went in, because if if you don't have snacks in the cinema, you have to wear your mask. Um, and I have no problem with that. Masks are great and have uh, helped prevent the spread of COVID over the last however many months. This is not me riding on masks, but they can be a bit uncomfortable. So mm. I like and I like everyone else at the cinema, as soon as you got in, went straight to the, the snacks desk and bought yeah. a popcorn and a drink. Uh, so I, I can't I imagine they're doubling their money on every ticket on snacks because that was <laughs> literally I'm not using the word literally incorrectly here literally everyone in that cinema wow. went and got snacks and a drink so they didn't have to wear their mask in the theatre. Fair. I mean, even with like the mask rule, I, I I need to have some snacks when I go to the cinema. I think it's it's part of the experience anyway. And I know it's I know it's ridiculously expensive and an absolute waste, but it's part of it, you know. I feel like I have to have the the popcorn and a drink or something in my hand when I'm sitting watching. Um I just it is really part of the experience, isn't it? 
to be fair though i i <laughs> my thing with getting food or a drink anywhere is i compare it to pub prices now so mm. uh cinema prices now seem quite cheap to me i'm sort of like expecting yeah. every time i go out to have to spend five pounds on a drink and yeah uh, tenner on food so yeah you five expect... pounds total for the whole yeah. thing <laughs> seems fine to me now yeah you're expecting to go home and have lost at least 20 pounds but yeah. so when you when you go out and you don't lose that especially if you've already got your ticket when you go out and you only have to buy your snacks it actually seems like uh like a, a very good deal <laughs> no that's fair that's fair uh no i've not been back to the cinema yet but i'm, I'm excited to go back i think uh i'm gonna go sometime soon uh now that we're getting into the summer and we've got some time off i think i'm gonna go and see something but yeah i'm very excited yeah. to go back I, I just want it to be eventful i, I do love the cinema so yeah, yeah looking I'm, forward to that i'm hoping to get to the cinema a fair bit over the summer uh see every movie regardless of actual quality or not nice fast and furious <laughs> bazillion or minions six or whatever's in cinemas yes of course <laughs> well speaking of fast and furious uh obviously fast nine came out um this week i want to say or last week um, but the the next Fast and Furious movie you may see, look, could be a Fast and Furious musical. You heard anything about this? Vin Diesel, uh, in an interview, said he was absolutely dying to do a Fast and Furious musical, which to me sounds more than just willing. He's dying to do it. He's dying for for the, one of the next Fast and Furious to be a musical, and I think that is such a hilarious idea. That sounds unbelievable. I would definitely go for go for that Fast and Furious musical. What what do you think? Do you ever think life's just becoming a series of increasingly bizarre sketches? Uh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes things just the people. I think there's a mix of people. You know how a little while ago we talked about uh, the the Hollywood executives and why do they come up with all these really random slash bad ideas? And it's it's usually because one person will make a good movie and then they just try to copy that format in a, in a much poorer way. I think that is one way that Hollywood makes movies. I think the other way is just say two things and make it. I think that's what it's just, it's just a uh, mad libs. It's just words. And they yeah. just say, pick, pick a franchise and then just say a, another movie genre. And uh, sure. Why not? So I, I, I was going to say, I can't imagine this will happen, but who knows anything anymore? The world's crazy and nothing makes well, sense. So why not? Maybe? They're going to jump. Well, I don't want to cast suspicions as to whether um, Fast and Furious has jumped the shark yet or not. As I've said, uh, well, not on the show, I've said to other people, I'm way behind. I've only still watched this first and second Fast and Furious movie, so I've got a bit to go to catch up. But from what I've seen of it, they may have jumped the shark. They're going to jump the shark at some point. So at least doing it in the form of a musical could be more creative and entertaining than just Fast and Furious Goes to Space. Yeah. Of it, I they think... might have done in this movie. Uh, the, the, the movie that just came out, uh, uh, as I said, I don't know. But they're going to do something at some point, so you might as well make it at least in, inventive. Yes, exactly. I think at least that allows them to not just jump the shark, but explode past it which is more fun to watch at the very least um but yeah i i i mean i would watch it i would watch fast and furious musical i think that is hilarious uh, what what a great group of characters to make 
the sing and dance uh just just so i don't know i don't want to say out of character but it feels pretty out of character for the especially i mean less so now that fast and furious has become so insane but as you're saying you've you've seen the first two and i feel like the characters in those movies are not people who you imagine being all singing all dancing and yeah. breaking into song well, and i just well, love the idea of that there has been a few rappers i think to be fair who have been in fast and furious movies yeah and the rock can sing so i mean they've not actually got the worst lineup oh yeah it's not not for lack of talent it's more the the characters themselves i would i would love if if they made this a musical um if they made the next one a musical but they they make the tone way more similar to the first few movies they just like take all the crazy stuff out so it's still just like street racers stealing dvd players or whatever but now it's a musical they like take out all of the other mad stuff to try and balance out the fact that they're doing a musical which is so insane i think that'd, that'd be, be hilarious like, that'd be like cop rock uh, have you heard of cop rock no please tell uh, me about it okay it was i find out about this from um well actually i first saw a documentary about tv in the 90s and then i forgot about it but then i saw it a month or two ago on last week's night with john oliver and so this was like a network show in america in the 90s uh ran for like one series before getting cancelled because it got catastrophically bad reviews but anyway it was a your standard police procedural which at that time been quite uh made quite popular by shows like uh i think law and order had started and um uh oh i forget it but it was it was uh, the one Andrew Breyer, who most people know as Captain Holt, um, mm. was in. He was in a show called Homicide or something. Uh, but, but anyway, so this show was in the style of that. So imagine like a super gritty, serious police procedural, except it took the form of a musical. All the storylines <laughs> were sung. Like, for example, there was an episode which centered around the police trying to take down uh, a, a baby selling ring so uh, just uh, crim- criminals who kidnapped uh, babies and then sold them to people who wanted a baby uh, hence uh, you can look this up just look up cop rock uh, uh, his name's like the the child seller baby selling and it's like a song where he goes I'm the baby seller that's oh alright <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's completely insane that's <laughs> that is chaos i love it i love it that's yeah. no that's a movie i want to see i like this idea i just just start making more stuff musicals i think i think it should be but it should be random like that it shouldn't be said it shouldn't start as a musical it should be other things that you just shoehorn musical on top of like you know just every every 10th movie regardless of what it is has to be a musical and it's just you just spin the wheel and whatever it happens to be you just have to shoehorn in some musical numbers i would love that i mean well, it's kind of, it's kind of it like would... a trope trope isn't it the with tv shows usually yeah if they exactly. go on long enough they'll eventually have uh if it's a comedy show it's easier to work in but yeah. i mean if for serious shows they have to like find some pokey reason Mm-hmm. And and th- there's a musical episode. Like I think Supernatural had a musical episode. 
Every um, TV show has a musical episode. Yeah, yeah. Community uh, had one, definitely. Yeah. Uh, How I Met Your Mother had one. Um, yeah, what oh, does the, the ones have? Barney's um, suit song is fantastic. It is. It's like, it is wonderful. That's just, that, I mean, that's Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, um, exactly. Legend com- of the game. Composite entertainer. I mean, he's sort of like the, he's kind of like the rock in a way. I know that sounds kind of weird, yeah. but just sort of in the cool as you like, good looking, and can just do a bit of everything. Yeah. And, true. and Neil, I tell you what, if you watch Gone Girl, Neil Patrick Harris isn't just a funny actor, he can seriously act. Mm. No, I, I like Neil Patrick Harris a lot. Um, yeah, but anyway, more musicals. That's that's what we're saying. And Fast and Furious musical is absolutely would get the green light from me. So make it Vin Diesel. Do it. Make everyone else do it. Um, but that's that's pretty much all the news. I'm going to get into our topic because I'm pretty excited for it. Um, we had mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the, uh, the Timothy Chalamet Wonka, Willy Wonka prequel movie that's going to be coming out at some point that we were... Uh, interested in question mark <laughs> it, i well, mean it, like, it stopped us in our tracks that news you're interested to be fair if you see a car crash or a factory explosion it's not like mm. interesting necessarily in a good way i don't yeah. know why i'm being so bitchy about this this movie turns out to be really good you know this is all this is all committed to tape yes <laughs> people would well, not that anyone would care enough, but people could go and find, well, weren't you wrong about this? <laughs> but yeah. we're, we're, so we're going to have, whenever this comes out, we are going to have to watch it and potentially eat quite a bit of humble pie. I mean, potentially, but you know, it's, I don't think we're wrong to, to uh, be a little bit apprehensive about this. It's so weird. It's so weird. But anyway, that, that inspired us to, uh, want to watch basically and then talk about uh some other Roald Dahl movie adaptations uh so we we've been watching a few of those and we're just going to talk about some of our favorite ones what we've seen or some of our least favorites if we watched any that we hated but I actually didn't watch anything that I didn't like I think Roald Dahl obviously wrote incredible books and they really for the most part I think they all lend themselves to to the big screen really well as well I think uh yeah, they're, they're just great stories and very easy, like just extremely watchable, I feel like, those those kind of stories. And the, the characters obviously are great. So, yeah, I think he his stories suit movies very, very well. Um, but, yeah, what, what about you? Did you have fun doing this, look watching some of these movies? Mm, I did. I have to admit I was maybe a bit sort of... Uh, I made it easy for myself. I watched ones I knew uh, were good or yeah. <laughs> uh, new people generally considered them to be good. Um, so I mean, it was a bit lazy in that respect, but his, you are right. His books do just work well as movies. I mean, even the ones that don't get so great reviews uh, are still better than the average movie. Like, I mean, or a remix of better movies. So like, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you watched The Witches 20, the 2019-2020 version. I didn't. I did not. Uh, but, like, I mean, that was, that was trying to, 
Oh, actually, I'll tell you where we can get into this later. I think when they don't work, it's because they tried to neuter his original vision. Like, I mean, yeah, the key to Roald Dial's books and why they were so good and why kids like them and adults like them so much is they didn't uh, dumb themselves down or sort of, as I say, neuter the content for children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, exactly. I, I think I think the the big the biggest mistakes come from trying to make them glossier. Or, or more appealing and I think that's the uh even the new witches I think maybe suffered from that saying that I haven't seen it but from from what I've heard that seems like a mistake it, it has maybe made and probably yeah I I'm, I think those are probably the worst moments in the other mo- movies are where they as you say they they tried to not include some of the more grisly uh and slightly upsetting stuff because uh, that role dial does definitely have that sort of energy and uh, I think it really works. And as you say, that's why people like them. I think especially kids, uh, kids love gross stuff, you know? So um, I think it works really well. Mm, yeah. So which uh, one but, do you want to start with? I'll start with, I think we, I'm pretty sure we both watched this and this was my first time seeing it. So I'll talk a little bit about Fantastic Mr. Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, this is a movie that I have been meaning to watch for a long time. So this was a really good, uh, reason to watch it or to, to have to watch it for this you know be forced to do something I want to do as I as I often say um yeah I really I really liked it a lot I, I know a lot of people say this movie's great so uh, I'm not going to disagree with that at all I, I'm not going to say it blew my mind as much as I thought maybe it was going to just because some the way that I've heard other people talk about this is that it's uh sort of an absolutely world-changing movie i don't think it was that for me but it was definitely good i really loved it i love that animation style and like the it's i think it's always nice to when you see an animated movie that still has kind of cool shots in it if that makes sense Mm -hmm. uh you know almost as if there is really good camera work in it even though it's animated i i really like when animated movies do that because um it just it just shows a little bit of effort and it feels it feels like there's a director there you know i think a lot of animated movies you sometimes it could be directed by anyone because they aren't really doing anything necessarily but uh so i I like when animated movies they have a a direction and a style behind them and that fantastic mr fox absolutely had that and just shout out to fantastic mr fox has just an absolutely stunning mustard corduroy suit uh sort of towards the end of the film and it is just beautiful that suit is incredible he's wearing like an orange sweater underneath it unreal the fashion in that movie absolutely slaps and the cast is another one of those like sleeper casts you don't realize how incredible it is till you look it up and uh, you're like just realize that there's so many great great people in it um but yeah no i i enjoyed it a lot obviously i just it maybe didn't change the change my whole world but I, I loved it. I did really like it. Um, did you watch it, Luke? Yes, I did. I had watched it probably years ago now, so I couldn't really remember it that much, but I knew it was uh, I knew it was a very good film and I did want to watch it. Actually, even before we'd been talking about the Roald Dahl thing, I had it in my head to watch it again for a while, so I thought this was as good as reasons any to. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I have Two things I was sort of thinking about as you were talking that I thought were interesting about. First of all, I think I think you touched upon it somewhat. It, 
in terms of a meeting of the source material and a creative's vision, this is the of the Roald Dial movie adaptions I've seen. This and James and the Giant Peach are the two that I would say really clearly uh, meld the original book and the director's creative vision the most. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of Roald Dial adaptions, uh, it feels like the books come to life. Uh, it's... You, there isn't it wouldn't really matter who the director was per se i mean obviously it does but you know you couldn't grasp the director by watching it but this was that feels like a very good adaption of a role dial book is also very clearly a wes anderson film i mean yeah yeah i i, I mean i was able to spot things as wes andersonisms as they're happening the symmetrical shots mm-hmm. which I, I get why he likes them so much. They are great to look at. There's just something really satisfying about them. Yeah. Yeah, Bill Murray's character appeared as like Bill Murray's there. The Owen yeah. Wilson character uh, having his appearance. I mean, there was just so many. Uh, you know, they're almost like watermarks for his film. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, you, you, he's one of the directors, like Tim Burton, you know, they have such a unique style that the movies could only be them. I mean, even the imitators, you can tell when it's not them. Yeah. With someone trying to copy them. Same Definitely. thing. Fantastic, Mr. I've read... Um, I can't completely say if I've read every Roald Dial book. I doubt I have. Um, in fact, I actually don't think I have because I know at the very least I haven't read his first autobiography I've read a second one but I have read I think all the ones that got adapted into films and I will say Fantastic Mr Fox is a good book but in terms of the movie being better than the book I think this is one of the ones this is true for this mm. is a, well, it's a good book this is a great movie yeah yeah I was thinking there uh that's a good point actually talking about which which books we've read as well as we're talking about this and then I thought oh I maybe haven't read that many Roald Dahl books and then realized because I was thinking I hadn't watched or hadn't read Fantastic Mr Fox and then as you were talking about it realized that no actually I have and I I think I actually have read as you're saying way more of these than I think I have do you know what I mean and I've just forgotten completely because I I didn't really enjoy reading as as a kid I don't enjoy it now either um but obviously you have to read in, in school and stuff and and when I got really into a book I would get like I would really enjoy it but I it was it was convincing myself to read is what I didn't like but we we read loads of Roald Dahl books in school and uh we we had quite a few at home as well so I think I actually have read far more of these than I think I have They're probably I imagine the ratio of books I have read in my life is probably 30 to 40 percent just Roald Dahl books uh, so I think I actually have read more of these than I thought um so yeah but yeah fantastic mr fox i i I liked it a lot do you have any more thoughts on that or do you want to give me a another movie that you watched um i think oh actually i remember and this was the thing i thought watching it at the time just trying to remember because it was a few weeks back this is as there there would be a lot more great movies if movies were made with as much 
uh, even half as much love, attention to detail, uh, uh, and just a, a bit of wackiness and creativity as, fanta- as that movie. I mean, yeah, I think it's easy to tell when something, and I get, you know, people are pushed for time. They have, they've got lots of people breathing down their necks in terms of uh, the finance guys, the the what what the the studio executives want from the movie. But to me, it's not just with this movie. It's very easy for you to for me to tell when a movie's just sort of a, a being done by committee, almost compared to when it's done with a genuine, like a handcrafted genuine sense of uh, loving for the source material yeah. as what this is. I mean, it's just everything about it seems to have been thought through. The, the, the animation style is gorgeous. The ca- Even the way the characters move is, mm-hmm. is full of, sorry, I'm repeating myself here, but it's full of character. It's just, yeah. if, if people put as much love into their movies as was made, put into this one, as I said, I think we'd have a lot more great movies in the world. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I it definitely it definitely felt like a movie that yeah, just a lot of love was put into it and that people really enjoyed. You can almost and I mean maybe maybe I'm wrong and this is just a testament to how how good the act the voice acting is, but you can almost hear the difference between uh the the actor smiling because it's a happy scene and smiling because they're like genuinely happy and you do almost get that impression on this of this film and I think a lot of films uh that, that turn out to be incredible like Gardens of the Galaxy was the first one that came to mind there where you feel like people just enjoyed making it and everybody really wanted to be there do you know what I mean um yeah. and that could just be a testament to the actors being very good at their jobs which I'm sure is also true but you do really get the impression that yeah everyone in this wanted to do well you know and really wanted it to be good and um yeah, yeah it, it is it's very like it's a very warm kind of film you know and I think that the that sort of heart uh, and it really makes it just bumps it up a level I think um, yeah. above the the standard kind of movies that come out no I know what you mean about the voice recording I mean you could almost feel the massive grin on George Clooney's yeah. face that came through with some of those lines and I mean you know great actors but you can't affect that you know yeah just as in, not, there's no substitute for hard work. There's mm-hmm. no substitute for people genuinely enjoying themselves. Like it just, uh, no matter how much work ethic or talent you have, you just can't, you can't affect that, and it, yeah. it shows when it's there. Yeah, definitely. Well, seems like we both enjoyed that a lot. <laughs> so, um, what what did you watch? What else did you watch? Well, I want to shine a spotlight on one thing because. Uh, <laughs> Sort of when I was reading on the Royal Dial books, a book that I didn't think got nearly half the love it deserved. And I think it's give, it's now got a film that doesn't get any half the attention it deserves uh, is SEO Trot. Oh, yes. I No, I, I saw it as I was uh, looking for, for movies to watch. But yeah, I, I didn't know anything about it or the book. So um, yeah, I just, I had no idea about it. So tell me about that. Yeah, so... SEO Trot is, it was a small book, um, and the movie also is sort of a small, homely scale to it. Um, it's a, it's about uh, two neighbours in an apartment block, um, Mr. Hoppy and 
this is silver uh, and, and they're they're older uh, people uh, and Mr. Hobby is madly in love with uh, Mrs. Silver but he's too shy to say anything about it mm. uh, so and Mrs. Silver only has eyes for her pet tortoise uh, and so <laughs> but but she wants uh, her tortoise to get bigger and she tells Mr. Hobby that she needs this to be happy so Mr. Hobby comes up with a plan <laughs> to to try and achieve this and I'll, I'll not spoil what he does but it's just the book was utterly charming and there's the same yeah. thing through with the movie I mean it's so different for a Royal Dial uh, book and then adaption because I mean there's not a hint of cynicism in it it's just yeah. quite rare for a Royal Dial movie the whole thing is completely sincere but it, it walked that line well where it felt complete it was felt completely sincere but without ever being cloying or mm-hmm. i'm gonna murder the pronunciation of this word but uh, i hope people listening sort of get what i'm trying to say saturine never felt sacker saccharine saturine i don't know how it's pronounced i learned it from reading <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah one of those ones that you yeah. you never actually have had to say out loud before <laughs> yeah but I, I think this movie didn't really get the attention it deserved because it was just a, it was a TV movie. I think it aired at Christmas uh, mm. a few years back on BBC One and had a great, uh, great cast. So it was D- Dustin Hoffman as Mr. Hoppy and uh, Dame Judi Dench as um, Mrs. Silver. And it's just, honestly, it's the sort of movie you finish and you've just got a massive smile on your face and you're yeah. genuinely happy for the characters in the film. Yeah. So, Love I'm it. not going to stand here and say it's the absolute best movie I've ever seen. I mean, but I think it's well worth a watch. And I think, as I said, you'll leave it, you'll finish watching it and you'll have a big smile on your face. I, I think it was written by Richard Curtis, you know, um, if sort of Love Actually and stuff like that's your bag, then you will really like this. Lovely. I might, I might give that a go then, even though we don't have to talk about Roald Dahl again. I'll, I'll maybe watch that anyway, because it does sound very nice. And sounds a lot like something i would like um that's that sounds lovely look uh i'm gonna say one that i I didn't actually watch in preparation for this because i watched it maybe a thousand times already (laughs) but uh since since this whole thing came about talking about wonka uh then i'll I'll mention charlie in the chocolate factory slash willy wonka in the chocolate factory did you watch either of the chocolate factory movies watched Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, which I'd never seen before. I had seen Charlie in the Chocolate Factory a few times and sort of already knew how I felt about it. So I didn't think <laughs> I didn't think it was worth watching again necessarily. Not not in a bad way, it's just like as in I didn't need to watch it again. Yes. Honestly, I've I've said the names too many times and I've forgotten which one's which. Right. So <laughs> which one is which? Will, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was the one made in 1971 okay. with Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka. I mean, even the title, the, the title was a point of controversy because the book was obviously Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I think, was like 2005 and it has Johnny Depp mm. as Willy Wonka. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is definitely the one I've seen a lot uh before i think i i do i do like it but um i don't think i like it nearly as much as some of the rest of my family do because they absolutely love to put that movie on when it's like a rainy day or whatever uh that is i don't i don't know why they just love that movie 
Uh, I think they just they just like Johnny Depp, which is fair enough. I think Johnny Depp does a pretty good performance in that. It is it is very funny and very easy to watch. Um, I don't particularly love it, but I do. I like the story, and yeah, I think I think Johnny Depp is very good as well. Um, we so the the Johnny Depp one is more more accurate to the novel than you say that as well. Look, um, yes, sort of has a bit I more. Do. Which I mean, by the title alone, kind of. Uh, <laughs> already shows that um but yeah i i what did you think of the the older one because i've only seen it maybe once or twice well i actually have so i knew going into it and that charlie and the chocolate factory was a more accurate adaption of the books but what i thought from watching it was charlie and the chocolate factory was a more accurate adaption i felt like willie wonka and the chocolate factory captured the feel of the books Mm. the book much better i mean i think to be honest i know it's not a particularly hot tech i know it's a popular opinion but that is the better version i thought gene wilder and i've I've noticed this from watching him and things before he the second he comes onto the screen the 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 attention is on him yeah uh, for the rest of the movie i mean to me it makes it incredible it actually makes it obvious as to why <laughs> they decided to go with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory Gene Wilder is the star of this movie and I mean to yeah. be fair uh, the, the guy who plays Charlie uh, it was a kid then I mean I think obviously it was a kid <laughs> um, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't I, I think 45 years old playing yeah. Charlie Bucket. I think it, he gives a good performance because I mean child actors can sometimes the, the performances can be hit and miss but I mean he gives a good performance but no one on screen just matches um, uh, Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka I mean the only person who even comes close is the, sh- the sweet shop owner who I actually find very entertaining I think he maybe has five minutes total on screen but I mean yeah. uh, no. Gene Wilder is just utterly magical isn't he? I mean he captures he is, yeah everything that makes the main characters and Roald Dial's books great. I mean, he's funny. He's um, He's got a bit of cynicism about him. Uh, he, he, he is a, a paragon's putting it a bit strongly, but he encapsulates good values um, sort of about being polite to people and charming and whatever. I mean, it's it's an absolute for in terms of in terms of what um you would expect in a movie like this. I mean, I think Gene Wilder gives a ten out of ten performance. I think he's brilliant in every aspect of the movie. I've, honestly, I think I I think it's almost impossible to talk about anything else in this movie because I mean it takes forty minutes. I only noticed this because I had to pause and get something. And it was about the time they actually got to the factory. I think it takes 40 minutes for him to first appear on screen. Yeah. And the, and those first 40 minutes are good. They, they do set things up well, but I mean, the, those 40 minutes feel like 40 minutes. The, the, the next mm. about 50 minutes uh, whiz by in what feels like half the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Things really, things really shift into gear whenever Gene Wilder comes on. Similar in 
uh, in Aladdin, you know, up until the genie shows up, the the start isn't bad or anything. It's still still very nice and uh, very a very nice movie. And then as soon as Robin Williams steps on the screen, it is just yeah, it's kicked into gear <laughs> absolutely. It does not slow down really after that. That's sort of when the uh, when the fun starts. Um, but yeah, I, I imagine it's the same with this. I think um, Charlie. I think we can talk about both of these movies together because I haven't seen the the older one in a long time. Uh, but the the Johnny Depp one, I think, is good. I, I do enjoy it, but I think the problem is maybe that the tone of that movie doesn't really match the tone of the book, if that makes mm. sense. Uh, certainly not as much as um, the Gene Wilder one, you know, where I, I think that movie is fine and that tone is also fine, but it just maybe would be better suited if it was a, a different movie and it wasn't trying to uh, be an adaptation of a book because, yeah, as you say, there's that one doesn't really have any whimsy in it I don't think where the book obviously does um it feels it feels a bit colder or something um yeah but I, do, I still enjoy it but yeah it's the it's the attachment to the book I think that ruins it or lack yeah. thereof I suppose it's weird that it's actually it's so accurate to the book when it, it's clearly been sort of churned it was Tim Burton wasn't it, right it, it was churned uh, yeah. through the Tim Burton machine you know it's it's in the way fantastic mr fox felt so clearly to be a wes anderson movie i mean it's on charlie and the chocolate factory is unmistakably a tim burton movie but whilst i thought the wes anderson role dial were a good fit in this case and it's surprising because you'd actually think they would be i i don't think tim burton and not a bad fit not a bad match but you know yeah it was maybe just the wrong just book i think a the, bit anachronistic yeah i i think it it's maybe just the wrong book because charlie and the chocolate factory even even the the book is sort of it, yeah it's very raw dal in a lot of ways but it, it's still kind of it maybe has some of the least dark and weird stuff in it which is exactly what you would want to give to uh tim burton to direct so it was maybe just not the right the right one tim burton should have done the witches that would have made sense uh, yeah so yeah maybe that was the mistake because as you're saying it feels like it feels like the pair the pairing should work but maybe it's just two um you know two heavy hitters going up against each other two very stylized things that maybe that's why it doesn't work as uh, quite as well. But that being said, I, I'm not trying to diss it too much. I do, I do still enjoy it, um, and my family loves it. So I'm going to get killed if I roast it too hard. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think it's still fine, just <laughs> compared to some of the other ones because a lot of these are really, really great. So it maybe just it's maybe the comparison is more the issue, and the fact that yeah, it has a predecessor that is was already a, a beloved movie, you know. So that's that's always tricky. Um, but yeah, I say give give Tim Burton another run at a different movie instead, or bring him back for Wonka. Who cares? Because who cares about that movie? Us I, now, I guess I guess I, no one did care about it, and, and now we're fully invested. Do you know what I actually think would probably be the main problem with Charlie and Joke that scene with his dentist dad is always the first thing that comes to my <laughs> head, and it was so weird seeing that scene as a kid. It, I haven't seen it in a while, so I need to go and check back, but I have a feeling it would be as disturbing as I remember. I mean, yeah. I don't mind the dentist, so it's not even like a dent, a weird, me having a weird thing about dentists. That scene is just weird. It's just weird. Yeah, the whole movie's weird. The, 
the movie hangs in the air like an awkward silence you know <laughs> the whole movie is just like a little bit tense and it's not a lot but it's just a little bit tense you know it's not enough to to be annoying and you'd have to turn it off it's just even the fun parts like even when they go into the factory for the first time and they see the kind of wonderland uh, with the chocolate river and all it's just so Tim Burton-y. It doesn't even look nice. Like, yeah. it looks like a set because the walls are all still gray and cold and the trees are all gnarled because it's Tim Burton. It's like, it doesn't, it's, they're not walking into this candy, like the way you'd imagine a candy wonderland to be. It's, it's still, it's still frightening. <laughs> I will scary. say that what I did, I did really like when I watched the Char- the Tim Burton Charlie Chocolate Party, the child, definitely in inverted commas, because I mean, they don't die, but the child, the child death scenes in yeah. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, they did yeah, those the perfectly. Theory. They were so funny that the Augustus yeah. one was fantastic. Yeah, actually, a surprising amount of like either one-liners or visual gags in that movie that I feel like aren't maybe maybe they are quite Tim Burtony, but I just a lot of them a lot of them really get me because I'm not expecting them. Uh, there's like a scene where they they're going through all the different rooms and uh, there's the the whipped cream room and it's just like oh, Bloom was whipping a cow. Uh, <laughs> I just I find that like those little visual gags I really like and obviously Johnny Depp just making weird faces is always always kind of funny. I think he's a very good like reaction actor, uh, reacting I guess you would say. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. He re- he really camped up Willy Wonka, <laughs> yeah, which isn't yeah. a complaint. It's a good thing. I think his his Willy Wonka's weird, and, it's, and I think I, he sort of went in the completely opposite direction from Gene Wilder, which I don't necessarily think was a bad decision, because no, maybe just I, trying I think... to copy Gene Wilder would have been, uh, wouldn't have been a great decision, but I mean, he was a, it, 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 that worked for me. Yes, for my memory, yeah. that worked for me. I think, I think the perfect, the perfect comparison for like two things being so different, but still, uh, what I would, I think on par, even if you if you don't think the movies are as good, uh, I think both um, both of the Willy Wonka introductions are really really great. Obviously, Gene Wilder is the famous. Uh, he walks out with the key in and then tumbles forward and uh, like I guess that's a surprise to everyone. I think that was improvised as well, like on the day. I don't think he was meant to do that, which is also funny. Um, but then I I absolutely love Johnny Depp's introduction where there's like the big the big show like the big light show when the throne comes up and he's not on it because he's standing in the audience so he can watch it uh it's just it feels like a, a great introduction to the character um yeah i think that that movie is good but i i think that i think also the criticisms are pretty valid as well so it can it can be a movie can be two things and still yeah. be right flawed flawed genius almost yes indeed uh, indeed um Sorry, I, I kind of it's just nat- natural for the mind to wander a bit. I mean, I was thinking about um, sort of because, uh, c- as I said, you if you were playing Willy Wonka, you would get compared to Gene Wilder's performance that mm-hmm. you could have lived up to that mantle. I'm sort of thinking Prime Jim Carrey, and I know that's a bit of a cast and cop out because Prime Jim Carrey would be great in any comedic role, <laughs> but I was sort of thinking, now, unless I'm forgetting something. Jim Carrey's never been in a role dial movie adaption, and you know, he would think so. Perfect fit for a lot of them. He looks, he looks like he's 
from one of the pages of the books. Yeah. It's got the same face. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, actually. I don't think he has been in any. Because um, I was I was just thinking he was in... He was, he was kind of Olaf in a series of unfortunate events. And he was great. As, he was re- if you ever get a chance, watch some of the outtakes. Uh, everyone who was in a scene with him in that movie was struggling to keep it together. <laughs> uh, and, and, yeah, that uh, movie it, is great as well. It's, it's obviously it's not um, a Roald Dahl adaption, but I actually think stylistically, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's something that I think took inspiration from Roald Dahl books. I mean, I haven't watched the movie in a while, but I do love the books. So I mean, I think that showed that he would work great in sort of a Roald Dahl movie because yeah, as you say, he's as a person who's almost lifted directly from the pages of a Roald Dahl book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, that is true. And I think there are other other examples of great casting. Just, I mean, obviously with the acting talent, but also just the appearance. And I can I can mention one as the, the next movie I want to talk about, uh, which is Matilda. And uh, Danny DeVito in Matilda also just looks exactly like a Roald Dahl character, just short and round. Because uh, that's pretty much the, the only two ways uh, a Roald Dahl character can be. They can be short and, and wide or tall and slim. And uh, man, Danny DeVito in Matilda is hilarious. I really like this movie. I hadn't watched it in a while. Uh, I watched it just, just before we started recording, actually. Um, I, re- I really like it. I like it a lot. It's very, very heartwarming um, and heartbreaking. But the, the nice parts are really great. And, and I really liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, did you watch Matilda or... Have you seen I, it already? I, I didn't watch it for this kid because I think uh, the last time I saw it wasn't actually that long ago. So mm-hmm. I didn't need to watch it. <laughs> um, actually, I meant to... Sorry, this, is, this isn't really a big overall point about the movie. This is just something I've noticed from reading his books and um, watching some of the movies recently. A lot of the times, the bad things about characters in Roald Dahl books and movies aren't actually really that villainous. Yeah. Uh, they're just things that Roald da- about people that clearly annoyed Roald Dahl. Yeah, just, just things he didn't like, yeah. yeah. The that, villains, that is absolutely true. The villains like watching TV, the monsters. <laughs> And there will nearly always be, probably more so in the books and the movies, but there will ne- nearly always be, as he's listing off their sort of negative attributes, one of them will be incredibly tame. Like, it'll, you know, it'll be some big thing about the villain being, you know, a horrible, wicked old person, and they, uh, you know, they they shout at the kids, blah, 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 do all this bad stuff, and then at the end, it'll be like, and chew with their mouth open, <laughs> you know, like, it'll throw just something in that you're like, that doesn't feel... Like it's on the same level as like someone who's a borderline or completely a criminal, and then just at the end, it, it's, yeah. And they also watch TV, or you know, and they never close the door when they come in at night. And you're like, well, what? That's not the same. <laughs> I don't think that adds up. So it is clearly just things he doesn't like about people. But I think that's really, I think that's a really great character work as well, though, to throw in something else that's like, this person is bad, but they also just suck as well you know they're not like they're not put together sort of gentleman villains you know they 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 suck across the board they suck they're mean and also they're evil you know i think that's really fun like i love i love characters like that where the the reveal is that they're like 
even if they didn't do the evil stuff, you would not like this person anyway. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think that that works really, really well. That really that that scratches an itch for me when it comes to villains. Um, yeah, it's good. And, I mean, yeah. yeah, sorry, go ahead. It's good writing. I mean, it fleshes like the character. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's it's almost um, if you if you read enough books, you'll notice you can basically copy and paste a lot of descriptions of evil characters and some of the things they go for are so obvious, like. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 but just coming up with stuff that, like that, like car- character traits that can be in actual people, it's good writing. It makes it makes it easier for you to sort of think of the person that's being described, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and you can think, yeah, I dislike when people do that. I mean, it's the same. I'm not saying every role dial villains realistic. I'm, I mean. Uh, some of them are just downright bizarre but I mean there's a lot of ones grounded in reality I mean uh, sort of bogus Bunsen Bean from uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox they're caricatures but they are caricatures that are grounded in reality and it's just a classic thing you know people's most hated villains aren't your Darth Vader's or your Voldemort's. It's people who you could conceivably know in real life or know someone yeah. like um, Umbridge from Harry Potter's the classic example. Yes, yeah. People hate her so much more than they hate Voldemort because Voldemort is evil, but Umbridge is bad, you know? Um, yeah, I think it does. It just, it just works so well. Um, but yes, I think Danny DeVito and the, the whole family in Matilda, never mind Mrs. Trunchbull as well, also just a horrible horrible character but i think the family especially they're just just the worst and it is because you can kind of almost see that like as much as they are kind of cartoonish and, and ridiculous they it does feel like people like that exist and it just makes you like roll your eyes into oblivion <laughs> just looking at them and you're like oh and they're all they're all like sweaty constantly as well and like just just looks so gross you know when he puts like the oil on his hair and everything and he just looks so greasy he is like the 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 template for greasy used car salesmen everywhere isn't he <laughs> um but yeah i i think i really i yeah i like the movie a lot but more than anything i think the villains are just absolute standouts in in matilda yeah i mean it's uh i can't it's been i did i have read the book at some point i can't really remember what the family were like in it, but I mean, talk, I mean, talking about, about things that Roald Dial doesn't like, I mean, it's a properly scathing indictment of the dumbing down of society and yeah. um, the the culture of laziness. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 the scene I remember as so, I think it's, it's so funny how it's done as the game show. Where yeah. people just constantly get slimed, is it? And they have to get the money to stick to them. Yeah, I think it's called Let's Get Sticky or, or something like that. So they just get, yeah, uh, covered in some kind of sticky slime. And then they stand in, in one of those sort of, uh, one of those chambers that blows air and all the money kind of swirls around you. And you just stand there and let money stick to you. Um, yeah, that's that. It's actually funny. I, I didn't really put that together as kind of being a, a commentary, which is quite cool um but yeah i i wanted to also bring up matilda because i wanted to 
do a shout out for what I think might get overlooked in in this, which is the Matilda musical, uh, which I, I haven't seen. I would love to see it, but I, I listened. Uh, I had only heard some of the songs, so I listened through the, the whole soundtrack um, sort of to prepare for this. And it's, it's really great. Uh, it's all written by Tim Minchin, who I also love. Um, and yeah, it's it's really nice. It it was a bit annoying to listen to the soundtrack and and not be able to actually see it. Uh, so I had to sort of follow the synopsis on my phone. But also, I I knew the story already. There was only a couple of things that uh, were confusing, but it's it's really really great music. And also, most of it is kids singing, you know. And 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 from what I've heard from other people who have seen the show, apparently the the quality of acting from the the child actors in it is incredible, which is really impressive in such a large cast of kids as well so yeah I, I wanted to shout that out because it is really got some great um great music in it as well yeah i was just uh thinking you know what's uh impressive about this movie and actually uh, most world down movies just how likable the protagonists are i mean some of yeah. them especially in this one i think it's been easy to sort of with them being um to make them goody two shoes but they're not and they are really yeah. like well i mean find someone on earth who doesn't absolutely love miss honey that i mean that woman is an angel on earth yeah yeah no you're right and yeah saying that about like the goody two shoes thing as well like matilda does misbehave and uh you know she effectively does pranks on her on her parents but yeah you never feel like any kind of uh, anger towards her for doing it you feel like she's her parents definitely deserve that and but even like more than just they deserve it that it's it actually works really well that it's her doing it and you, you fully support her like yeah it is it, it is really impressive to do that to make a, a kid as well the arguably the easiest people to to be angry at kids <laughs> it's easy to make a kid look annoying on screen and uh, and they don't they it's it is very impressive and i think yeah as you're saying a lot of a lot of uh the leads in in these world dial movies are just so likable and i think that maybe does get overlooked a bit because the villains are so like flamboyant and sort of draw a bit more attention but yeah the the leads in in all of them are really really great as you say just really likable and very yeah just so much more team than i feel like all the other characters which is kind of funny um uh well, just one or two more things I want to mention about Matilda. One, I'm hoping, sort of talking about the pranks, I'm really hoping you say yes this or else I'm going to sound like a complete weirdo. Do you ever, just occasionally <laughs> thinking about it, do you ever just start tapping along and humming the do 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 Yeah. And pretending yeah, yeah, to yeah. make all the blinds go. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, That, yeah. What excellent use of, of the um like a fairly limited soundtrack in Matilda but you utilize so well uh, for those scenes it does that's like a real uh when you're when you're in the house alone kind of moment and you just walk around singing that um yeah and and wishing you could just make your breakfast or whatever with your mind that would be great but sadly for now we can just pretend to be Matilda I don't think I don't think we're gonna get there um anytime soon but yeah I I I do know what you're talking about and you don't seem like a complete loser or weirdo just yet. Um, so that was good. Almost yeah. had to almost had a Kaya section there. 
I actually disagreed initially, but look, made me cut it all out and agree with him again. So if you're hearing this part, he, he threatened to beat me up. So I, I'm, I'm putting this back in. Over, over soon. The, yeah. the, other, the other thing I thought of, I have watched some seriously gory movies in my time. I think that cake eating scene may still be the most visually stomach churning thing. Yeah, it really I've ever was. seen committed to film. Yeah, a, a little a little peek behind the curtain. Um, today I well this morning more so I was I was a little bit hungover. Um, and luckily I waited until later in the day to watch this movie because I don't think I would have made it through that scene any other way. I was pretty much already closing my eyes watching it now. I'm very glad that I waited to watch that because, yeah, it is truly disturbing watching that. I forgot how gross the cake looked as well until I watched it earlier. And it's it looks revolting. It looks so gross. And yeah, that, that scene is bad. Not fun to watch, but also it's... great. The the moment where they're all chanting as well at the end, and and he he licks the plate, and then Ms. Trunchbull smashes over his head after, yeah. which I forgot happened. <laughs> I was watching it. Brilliant. It's when the Absolutely. dinner lady says, "I put my blood, sweat, and tears into it." Yeah, and she looks gross too. She looks like she's put her blood, sweat, and tears into it. And... Uh, the, the last thing, because uh, I think we spent a while until <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Miss Trunchbull coming and hammer throwing the wee girl into I the know. <laughs> the it field of her maybe one of the funniest film <laughs> introductions <laughs> in any movie. Yeah, truly. <laughs> I it I feel like this probably goes for a lot of these movies, but growing up and then realizing how much you loved them as a child, books and the movies is like almost disturbing to be like I just watched this with no issues and now I'm like kind of squinting at it like almost wincing watching it it's so funny to think that as a child I was like cool no I like this uh, so I, I find that funny uh, but yeah what we'll, we'll move on I think that's okay we spend a bit more time seeing as it is a, a movie and a musical so that's that's a I, two in one um, I, but I, did, you, did you watch anything else um um, I had seen most. I, I have seen most of them at some point, but the only. But we've already gone over the ones I watched in preparation mm. for this. But if you if you move no, on, to see him, see him, see him for me, so we can give some some shout outs just to some other ones that we like. Uh, well, okay then. I think the witch is the original one. I've not watched the new one. The original witch is one is in incredibly disturbing and i mean that yeah. as a compliment the vision yeah. they had for that movie they absolutely nailed it i mean <laughs> yeah you, you always get people asking what well, what was the movie that traumatized you as a kid and you get all the <laughs> usual answers people say it was uh, a scream or halloween or friday the 13th or nightmare on elm street then you always get a large amount of people saying the witches it was yeah, yeah. The witches. there's always some outliers that are like that are movies made for kids but that also traumatize you know a lot of people yeah their answer will be something that they obviously weren't meant to watch as a kid and that traumatized them but it's bad when your answer is something that you were fully meant to watch like you watched it you were allowed to watch it you didn't have to sneak around anyone to see it and it terrified you and the witches is one of those movies for sure 
that movie is horrible absolutely horrible and as you say i mean that as an absolute compliment it is wonderful but it that it's i feel like uh, across all of the movies it's maybe the most rodali if that makes sense yeah. it has the most rodalisms in it um so that's that's a uh, yeah that's definitely a good thing but it does it feels so grimy and gross and amazing all, all at the same time so yeah definitely sorry about that Similarly, I want to shout out James and the Giant Peach because it is weird. That movie is weird and the book's weird too, but the movie feels so strange and I love it. I, I absolutely love that movie. I used to watch it all the time as a kid. I really wanted to watch it in preparation for this, but it wasn't on any streaming. And uh, I know I have the DVD somewhere. Actually, maybe I don't. Maybe I had it on video, so that could be a problem. But yeah, I, I'm going to watch it at some point, but sadly, I couldn't watch it to prep for this. I really wanted to because... It's so weird. <laughs> I feel like I probably have some stuff to say about it. So I'll I'll come back maybe in a few weeks and talk about that in uh, Have You Seen This? Because yeah. I'm, go- I'm going to have thoughts. That movie's, it's just weird. It's just weird. And again, yeah. in a wonderful way. The ants always, not, I think there might have been an actual ant, but as in, the, as, the, as Americans would say, the aunts are human mm-hmm. talking about here. The two aunts in James yes. and Giant Peach always they are we they're quite possibly the creepiest part of the film (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah it's weird and i love it so i'll come back to it another time um yeah yeah, do you have anything else to to shout out i'm I'm running out of movies yeah i i mean i didn't i actually forgot about it until recently so then i actually get a chance to check if it was on any streaming services i mean definitely wasn't netflix because I saw all the world dial ones that were on Netflix, but the original BFG animated film, I didn't watch the 2016 one. I actually should have watched that one because it was would have been a good example of a really big budget. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I did I did watch it. I, I find it a little bit boring, but I think I saw it when it came out, so I don't remember that much, but I, I wouldn't rush to watch it again. But yeah. it was a while ago that I saw it, to be fair. Yeah. But what I was going to say is... The one that I'm thinking of is the was the original. This was from years ago. Animated BFG. We yeah, had it on yeah. VHS, and I think I was might actually be better not going back and watching because I mean it's one of those movies that get really nostalgic for it. I mean, I assume it's still good, but I mean that was that's just one of those movies that gives you a warm fuzzy feeling inside thinking about mm-hmm. it. It's absolute diamond of a movie. And, was talking about films being made with love. I think that one was and made by someone that was clearly a big raw dial fan. Yeah. yeah. She really captured the feel of the books because I mean uh, uh BFG I think is probably his most kid friendly. Well they're all they're all kid friendly books. I mean they're kids they're kids books, <laughs> but I mean it's 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 uh, uh it's the most, friendly, the most appealing. Friendly. The most, yes, yes, definitely. BFG, big friendly giant. Nice. Oh, nice. Didn't even think of that. <laughs> it's just, yeah, yeah, it's one of the most well-known ones probably as well. Like, I think everybody recognizes if you were to say BFG, I think people would know what you were talking about, you know, um, compared to maybe some of the other slightly more, not niche, but maybe they're just more UK-centric, I guess, than, than maybe some of the other more worldwide ones. Um. But yeah, BFG, I I have seen that the old animated one, but it's I feel like it's probably been a while. It's a very hazy memory for me. 
Um, so I'll have to check it out again if it's got a lot of nostalgia in it. Hopefully it's good, though. That's the, that's always the fear when you watch something you have a lot of nostalgia for that you just hope it's actually good. Uh, it's heartbreaking when you learn that something you loved as a kid it actually sucks. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like... Uh, I, I feel like if you miss the boat on some things, you can't come back to them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if something doesn't hold up nostalgia, I'll probably still carry it through, through a lot of people. But I mean, um, you, you know, you get me. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but you get people talking about they were their childhood favorites. And it's mm. like, oh, I missed that one when I was young. You go and watch, and you think, this is absolute. <laughs> yeah. Is like, how, did, how did anyone watch this? But <laughs> yeah, then, definitely. I missed the boat on it. I didn't watch it at the right time. Yeah. I think all pretty much all cartoons I watched as a child are probably like that because the only thing that I needed from a from a cartoon show as a kid was just characters that looked cool. That was it. So if they looked cool or were dinosaurs, I was watching it. So I, there is some garbage in my in my past that I've watched. Um but some some absolute diamonds as well. I think, you know, like um the original Pokemon series is still great, which I watched, yeah. and, and a lot of those old shows are still incredible. Um, Beneath but... and Terrible hold up till the end of time. Yeah, yeah for sure. So, actually, no, I've thought of an example, and it's, it's not movie, but um, I, have you seen the TikToks? And I think there's like sort of parodies, and it's just like uh, what the writing in Disney Channel live action programs was like. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you watch them, and you're like, yeah, they were like that. And you think, <laughs> yeah. Those yeah, were probably actually quite bad television <laughs> programs. Yeah, I think that's that's probably true. Uh, just so so easy to write, so basic. But that's that's the point as well. You watch it every day after school or whatever, and they're you know pumping out episodes. You kind of uh, you don't need it to be gold, do you? It was yeah. more it more became your favorite because you saw it every day. You know, like friendship. Think- it's. <laughs> You're forced to see them every day, so you have to like them. I think the that's why me and you became much. friends. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think for anime that shows anyway, now the bar just got raised yeah. so high because I mean, you know, anything now is having to follow, as I said, Phineas and Ferb, um, yeah. regular show Adventure Time, Steven Universe, whatever you know, the bar has been seriously yeah. raised. It just it just takes one person to come along and actually care about a kid's show when they make it, and suddenly everyone was like, what? We've not been but, doing that this whole I'll, time. We just were drawing I'll, characters. I'll link it back to um, Roald Dial, and yes, part of the key to what made the Roald Dial books and movies great for kids, and what makes those animated shows great for kids, is they don't patronise the kids. And that's yeah. what means the adults can also enjoy it. If you treat the kids as intelligent, you will make a much better product. Exactly, exactly. Well, I think that's a nice way to wrap it up, Look with that little message, um, unless you have anything else you, you really want to say. Um, only thing I can say is, uh, I don't know, I doubt it, I, uh, if we have anyone who's listening to this who's um, maybe at the age where they have children yet, uh, but if, if your kids are struggling to get into reading or... Even if you're wanting to get into books yourself, you've never really gotten into them. Start them or start yourself with Roald Dial books. They yeah. are absolutely, they're great for people who maybe aren't, who, I, I, I would hesitate to say don't like reading. Uh, 
I, I, I would say most people, when they find the right books, will like reading. It's just maybe yeah. haven't got into it or struggled to sit down with the book. They're great for that. And I would I think they're, uh, they, they cover such a wide range of styles. There'll be something that appeals to everybody. Yeah, well, as I, as, as I said as well, I, I'm not a massive reader and I, I struggle to read a bit sometimes. So, um, and yeah, like I was saying, I probably a good 30 to 40% of all the books I've read have been Roald Dahl. And then the, another, another 30, 40 is Diary of a Wimpy Kid. <laughs> Just the, the books that got me through all of my reading. Um, and then we, a weird amount of the, uh, the condensed um, made for kids Shakespeare plays. I read a weird amount of them. Uh, I really, I, well I, I really like Shakespeare so I think uh, that was better to read than an actual play uh, yeah, I mean so, the language for me but I, I know it's very often but uh, the language is archaic but I mean his stories do hold up well you know they're well written exactly. stories and that's why those made for kids books are the perfect ways to, to read a Shakespeare play I think yeah. uh, well, apart from just like seeing one um, but if you want to actually understand it get one of those it's a much breezier way to do it um but yeah as in case it's not been clear from this big role dial fans absolutely recommend reading the books and, and watching the movies um if you've seen some of the movies and maybe that will inspires you to read some of the books the books are definitely probably better than than most of the movies as well um and yeah definitely worth reading so oh do you want to um do you want to our favorite ones just quickly what our favorite move roll dial movies are oh yeah yeah uh oh i need to think now but you go first i think i've been i've been debating between two i'm gonna to have to give a very honorable mention to willy wonka and the chocolate factory i mean first time watching it, i just absolutely adored it but i think the favorite is gonna to have to be matilda it's just a great it's such a good film yeah i'm gonna to have to go matilda as well I, i'll yeah yeah i'm gonna have to go matilda i think great stuff across the board though but matilda's gonna have to take it such a joy to watch um yeah wonderful all right that's gonna do us on that we, we talked for longer than i thought we were going to about roll Dow. um so we'll move on to have you seen this this is the segment of the show where we talk about what we've been watching or playing or reading through the week and we just have a chat about it um look have you seen spider-man far from home uh, yes, I have. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I, 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 oh, of course, I just have to remember which one it is. You know, there's been a lot of Spider-Man stuff yes. released recently. <laughs> Far yes. From Home is the, uh, the, the second in the Tom Holland MCU Spider-Man movies uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio. Uh, I'm sure anyone who's listened for any length of time knows we're, we're big Marvel fans, uh, so I probably don't need to talk for too long about this. Um, but it's one of the only things, apart from rolled out movies, that I've watched this last week. Uh, I think it's it's going off Netflix soon or, or something like that. Netflix Netflix put it in my recommended, so I, I watched it again um, because I, I did a big watch through of all the Marvel stuff. But some of the uh, Spider-Man things weren't on Disney Plus just because of the Sony deals and everything. So uh, it was on Netflix and I watched it and I just I, I really loved it. I really like that movie. Uh, weirdly, we were talking earlier about um when uh gene wilder shows up in willy wonka that kind of uh really kicks it into gear compared to the first 40 minutes i had i had like almost the reverse thought watching this uh, especially the first time i saw it in the cinema where uh 
it's it's quite a while before spider-man actually like shows up and any real action happens for the first kind of maybe 20 30 minutes it's it's just just like a, a teen rom-com kind of movie and i absolutely loved it i was so into it that i literally forgot whenever spider-man whenever it got to the the first big action sequence and uh, spider-man shows up i i really forgot i was like i could have i could have done this whole movie with no superhero stuff in it and i still would have loved it i absolutely the characters are so great in that especially like all the the uh, teenager kind of the school kids and the teachers are hilarious and just it's so many moments are great and it does it really makes me we've said this before but it really makes me want more uh marvel genre movies you know movies that don't just have to be comic book action movies they can go in other directions and you can limit some of the action maybe a little bit um and this yeah this just proved it to me i would absolutely love to see a uh, a marvel rom-com or um and anything else i think uh, we could have some sort of uh law procedural stuff in she-hulk maybe coming up um as she is a, a lawyer that could be really interesting to see and yeah any anything that's just a slightly different direction i i would love and yeah, I, I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man's probably one of my favorite characters. So just great stuff. Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. also incredible. Yeah. I, w- I was going to say sort of about uh, really enjoying the non-superhero stuff. I think you can tell sort of from the interview stuff I've seen of them, the central trio, I think you can tell they're good friends in real life because their chemistry yeah. on screen is great. And yeah. For what I would describe as a somewhat unlikely matchup, I actually I I agree with you. I think Tom Holland and Jake Gyllenhaal have great on screen chemistry. Yeah, true. And I've seen it as well. Similarly, um, off screen in interviews and stuff, they've uh they also get along very well. It's just quite funny. Jake Gyllenhaal just looks like chaos, but incredibly funny as well. Um, yeah. I I guess the only downside is that we didn't get to see Jake Gyllenhaal really do anything funny in it, which is a shame. But uh that's fine he's a still incredible actor regardless i just like when he when he does funny stuff um well the way to be fair i thought as horrible as it was the way he talked to his underlings was quite yeah. Fun. <laughs> yeah um no I, I just yeah great movie um if you're if you don't watch marvel stuff how have you made it through this many episodes of this podcast because i feel like we spoil them every day so <laughs> fair play if you've made it this far and you don't watch marvel stuff but if you don't give that a watch or give all the other ones a watch and then get Spider-Man Far From Home, I guess, more accurately. Uh, look, what have you been seeing this week? Uh, sorry, I know I said earlier I was going to talk about nobody, but I'll move oh, that yeah. on to next week because I'll, rem- <laughs> I'll remember to talk about it next week. But I think if I don't talk about what's just come into my head, I will forget possibly. <laughs> so, Reese, have you seen Bird Girl? No, I've not seen Bird Girl. Okay, so uh, this is w- um, part. This is well. This is a recommendation that is part of a bigger recommendation. So if you like your animated uh, adult, I always think adult makes it sound a bit dodgier than what, <laughs> what they are. But if you like your adult animated comedies, E4 on Mondays at the moment are triple billing. Um, Rick and Morty, Harley, new Rick and Morty, new Harley Quinn, and this new show bird girl as i think i think it's mondays and they're shown as yeah all three together so if you get those recorded or watch off on demand that's a great way to spend an hour but people already know 
I mean, I've talked about Harley Quinn before, and people already know all about Rick and Morty. They know they're great shows. But Bird Girl was a complete surprise package from me for, for <laughs> me. So I, I just because you had those two and then that, I thought, this looks like it could be my type of uh, comedy. So I just recorded it as well. Mm-hmm. It was so funny. So it's, nice. it's a spin-off of a show that it's an adult swim show like uh, 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 I don't know if you've seen that TikTok trend as well I think people are learning what adult swim is here um, <laughs> yeah. so uh, adult swims like where all the American animated comedies uh, adult animated comedies come from so it, Bird Girl is a spin-off of a show that came a few years back called Harvey Birdman Atorium yeah Law. yeah I've heard of that. I thought it might have been similar. Okay, that makes sense. So yeah, Bird Girl um, uh, is about... I can't remember the character's actual name, but she's uh, a lawyer and uh, becomes the CEO of her father's company, who was a character in uh, Harvey Birdman, and also possessing the moniker... The possessing the alter ego of Bird Girl, who fights crime. And nice. uh, if you have, if you're a younger listener, cover your ears. But there's only one way I know how to phrase this: <laughs> it is batshit insane. <laughs> it's nice. an absolute mini gun of comedy. It doesn't matter <laughs> if not every joke lands because there is about one a second, and it is visually. <laughs> It's visually funny. The writing's funny. It just, it, it just landed perfectly, as I said. It, maybe it wouldn't be for everyone, but it just fell so smack bang in the centre of my sense of humour that I, I yeah. just instantly loved that. I'm from being the wild card of the three. It's almost the one I'm looking forward to the most uh, mm. tomorrow night. I mean. I can't quite say that because I mean I, I just love Harley Quinn and Rick and Morty so much. Uh, uh, both of them started their new series very strongly. I mean Rick and Morty with the fish guy. I don't know if you've seen that yet. That's a great uh, no. Actually, I, this this has just reminded me of of all of that. So I I need to catch up on the or not catch up just on last week and then uh, yeah I will definitely join in on that triple bill on a Monday night. That sounds like a one as you say a wonderful way to spend an hour. So I I'll uh, that I will definitely be watching. Uh, watching that because i'm gonna watch yeah rick and morty and harley quinn anyway so as you say why not why not watch the next one as well if it's going to be a, a triple bill of of wonderful shows so yeah that sounds that sounds really good if if it's something if it's yeah if, if it's uh, along the lines of the other show not along the lines but uh, on at the same time and, and stuff as those and as you say right uh right into your style of comedy then sounds like i would almost definitely enjoy it yeah so as I said, you're correct. I will. I can thoroughly uh, recommend that triple bill nice. on E4 Monday nights. I sound like I'm chilling. <laughs> E4 Monday nights. I'm more than happy to shill for a good fee, but I'm not chilling here. It's just genuinely <laughs> an hour. Well, it technically takes up an hour and a half, but I mean, if you record it, each episode, it's only 20 minutes. It's a, a fantastic hour of animated comedy. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that's that's a, a great recommendation then for sure. Um yeah, I think I think we're done. You happy to wrap up? Yes. 
All right. Well, you have been listening to the Crack and Banter podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, if you want to get in contact with the show, you can follow us on Instagram, on Twitter. We have a subreddit you can go to. Um, if you want to email the show, you can send that to crackandbanterpod at gmail.com. Give us a recommendation, leave us a suggestion, and we'll come back to it, or a question if you want to ask us anything, and we'll answer it. Um, I've been Reese. He's been Luke. Please give us a follow if you want. Uh, tell a friend. Recommend the show if you like it. And we'll see you next week. Luke, you want to close us out? Yes. Thank you for listening to the Crack and Banter podcast. Join us again next week. And please fill your life with some happy little trees. Goodbye. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you.